freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, final hour for us today on Brock and Saul. We got a good ranked coming up at 945. Talk some more trade deadline here at 9.30, so do that in about a half hour. People, Do people think the Mariners bought or sold yesterday? Are people like in a camp of... Because I've had a couple of people 866-979-3776. 866-979-3776. Simple question. Uh, Buy or sell? What do the Mariners do, folks? No, what did they do? I was curious if people had an opinion on what they did yesterday. Right. Did they buy or sell yesterday? Did they buy or sell or both? I'm going to land, if I have to land on one of those, I'm going to land on buy. They bought yesterday? Yes, slightly, like 51 to 49. Hmm. Yep, I'm going to land that they bought. Because there were people texting in the show saying, no, that was a flat sell yesterday, that you got young guys that, you know, et cetera, you traded away a closer, teams are looking for that. There are people who say they sold. Yeah, I think what people are forgetting just a little bit is you have to, if you if you want to groom and grow a Paul Seawald and you want to be a draft and develop in trade, there are times that you've got to take steps and risks to open the path to develop. And for Munoz and for Brash, right, if they're going to be the next Paul Seawald, right, if, and we've, we can go down this list with the team across the street at corner and at running back and even at quarterback last year, like you've got to open the door. And you know what, Mooney and, and Brash, you've got, electric stuff you got better stuff than paul seawald by every measurement you have Mm -hmm. better stuff than paul seawald now have the maturity have the guts have the competitive poise to go do it in the final three outs of the most difficult times or the most difficult three batters in that lineup if you're called upon in the eighth all right we'll come back to that at 9 30 right now we had to move this to nine because we have boy mafia at eight o'clock we've been moving some stuff around uh, but we are on to our 19th most intriguing seahawk Number 19. Number 19 is Mike Jackson, Brock, as we uh, have kind of been hit these. Yeah, that's the guy talking about these cornerbacks who have an opportunity to make this really the, the star positional group, but certainly the most deep with the most competition of any other one on this roster. He started most of last year after coming out of nowhere. No one expected him to be the starter. They had brought in Artie Burns. They had a couple of other guys around, right? Sidney Jones was here. And instead, Mike Jackson just kept making plays, kept making plays. Trey Brown never really came back last year. And the next thing you know, he was firmly ensconced as the starter and did a heck of a job opposite mm-hmm. Tariq Woolen. He did nothing last year to lose his job as a starting corner, except that then they drafted a corner with the number five overall pick. So all of a sudden, the projection is, sorry, man, Tariq Woolen's on one side and you got Devin Witherspoon for the other. The thing is, he just comes out and plays unbelievable football, and he's been the standout throughout all of the offseason and now into training camp. I, I hate to say this because I want my expectations to be in the right spot, but he's exceeded expectations, and he's continued to do that. And uh, with his season that he played last year, with his offseason that he had, and already in camp, he's already made a statement. He's been going against DK, and they've been battling out there, you know, and uh, couldn't ask for anything more than that. And his attitude is good. You know, he's a big kid, you know, he's 216-pound corner you know there's not many guys like that uh, and he's really fast too and he's taking great pride in his technique and in the scheme and all of that so 
Um, he's he's not he's not giving it up for anybody. He's battling to be the be the guy out there. Well, he specifically mentioned that battle against DK Metcalf. DK was asked about him yesterday. Right. I mean, he just picked up from where he left off uh, last season. Um, you know. Uh, he he's been here all all season. So throughout OTAs, minicamp, um, and, and whenever I popped up, uh, you know, here and went against him in practice, it was always just a battle for me. And he's always made it tough for me to not only just get off the line of scrimmage, but uh, you know, at the catch point, he's always battling, trying to knock the ball out at the last second. So just somebody that I can go against, who's going to be physical and and competitive with me at the same time, who who's also a pro and knows how to play the game. So that's Mike Jackson. DK is impressed with what he sees on the other side. Pete Carroll impressed with him at every point. A couple of questions that make him intriguing. How often does he get to play? Is he going to start even though they drafted a guy with the number five overall pick? Does he come in in nickel situations and Witherspoon moves inside? I've seen a lot more of Witherspoon inside than outside so far at camp. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's because of Jackson and Trey Brown or because that's just where they want to see him or whether that will evolve over the course of the next few weeks. And if you really do have all of that depth, do you end up making a trade with Jackson or Brown in order to bring back some talent where you need help? Pretty darn intriguing, and that's why he's in the teens. He's the first one in the teens for you. I know that uh, the Seahawks kind of ask the people that cover the team to you know, be a little limited in every single rep and every personnel group and everything in training camp. But Michael Sean Dugar over there at the Athletic that covers the Seahawks referenced the number of times yesterday, Salky. This team had six DBs on the field. A right? lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where it wasn't... And if I had a defensive line like that, I would want to play dime all the time also. <laughs> what do you mean by that? You know what I mean. <laughs> When you have those nasties up front that are getting home and creating havoc with just four, then you can afford to play dime. And if they can get teams into passing situations, Salk, and Uchenna and Boye and um, Jaron Reed, who can rush the passer, has had double-digit sacks in his career. Dre Jones, who's super athletic, hyper-athletic for his position and can get upfield. If, if those guys can create havoc, yeah, then you know what you would love to have? Dime mm-hmm. with six very unique, versatile dudes back there. And that's what Pete said. I mean, this kid's 216 pounds. And you know what he played like last year as a corner? A corner at 216 pounds. Come up and hit you. Come up and fit in the run game. Come up and tackle those underneath throws. And, man, there's a beauty to competition. It brings out the very best in you. And when this team took a corner at number five, there is no question after a good year. He had a good year last year. Very good. That he said, oh, really? Okay, now I got to get to great. And I'm not going to relent. So what if you were to make a deal, if you were John Schneider or just the rest of the league and you were going to have to deal one of your corners, which most likely would be either Mike Jackson or or Trey Brown, Mm -hmm. who do you think you get more for and who do you think has who do you think you're you'd prefer to trade? Well, that's a that's kind of in the eyes and the beauty of that trade beholder of what he wants because they're two different guys do you want someone that's done it for a year at a good level that's physical and 216 pounds but maybe not elite quickness and speed because of that weight or do you want just the feisty scrappy you know ball hawking but not nearly as big and certainly doesn't have a resume and a health resume of doing it for an entire year like mike jackson Mm -hmm. so they're two very different flavors and I think there's some regimes out there that, that want that small, quick, feisty, fast guy. Probably a divisional conversation. If you're in the AFC North and you're going to have to cover T. Higgins and and some of the behemoths in that in that division, then you probably want a Mike Jackson. So, yeah, I think to have the 
to have the versatility, even of those two guys' <laughs> skill set, to, yeah. to meet the possible demand that there will be at the end of training camp because there always is for corners and guys that can cover and play. And I was thinking about this. And Tariqo continues to resonate in my brain, man. <laughs> His little simple point about Pete building a team and building it from the back end. Is there a better place to go and cultivate your career as a corner? Than here? Than here? Well, the only thing I, I would say about that is so many corners have come here and just completely failed to understand how to run this system. Some it's have. a great place to be drafted as a corner, but it has never been a great place to be brought in as a corner. Yeah, I mean, Justin Coleman was brought in and converted to a nickel and got paid. The guy from True. the Jets that uh, is starting opposite of Sauce, who had a, a great year, kind of like Mike Jackson did. I apologize. His name is escaping me, but he came here and he developed and had a great year. Like, I think if you're a corner man, kind of like a reliever for the Mariners, I don't know if there's a better spot to play to your strengths. Are you trying to recollect his name? Yeah, I can't remember his name either. Yeah. Mora? Guy who played with football. the Niners for a couple of years, then he was here. DJ Reed. DJ Reed. Yes. Yeah. Shame on me. He blew that. He, he really blew that uh, playoff game. Still doing pretty the well with the Jets, though. too. He has. He's done great. Blew that playoff great. game when he fumbled the punt. Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah. I like that. I like your intriguing list. You're doing yeah, well good. so Am far. Am I doing well? Other than you are. other than the long snapper. Yep. You're well, doing thank really you. Well. That's nice. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. That's mm-hmm. nice of you. Worked yeah. hard on this list. It took me. Um... <laughs> anyway, Hours. all right. So uh, it's Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports <laughs> here on Seven Ten Seattle Sports Hey, some things are just natural. They just come to me. I know sure. who's intriguing and who's yep. not. That's and true. When you talk about ranking things like one to twenty-five. Believe me, I got a pretty good sense as to what order they should be in. We'll do some (laughs) ranking coming up at 945 this morning. First, we'll give you everything you need to know next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 Seattle Sports. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, yesterday was the day before the deadline, but it was certainly busy. The Mariners, one of many clubs making deals yesterday. Their big one, Paul Seawald, goes to Arizona in exchange for a trio of players headlined by Dominic Canzone. He's an outfielder, plays some first base, athletic, can run, has a little bit of pop, good contact skills, shouldn't strike out as much as some of what we've seen so far this year, defends very well in the outfield, and should be ready to play right now. He's been up with Arizona for the last couple of weeks and hitting in the middle of their lineup. They also get back infielder Josh Rojas, who uh, is probably going to be the other side of that platoon with Caballero. I would assume that that means Colton Wong is not here by the end of the day today. It also means giving up on Paul Seawall, the guy that everybody here really liked, and he seemed to really like it here. I'm going to miss this place. It was amazing for years. It changed my life, changed my career. Um, you know, personally, professionally, and and, uh, you know, I owe a lot to the people here, and, and I feel like I gave them everything I had for three years. And um, it's going to be tough, And you know, but Diamondbacks were, they traded for me, which meant they wanted me more. And, and uh, you know, I'm excited to get to Arizona and do what I can. I went down there yesterday, Brock, mm-hmm. um, before the game and saw Scott speak and then heard uh, Seawald and talked to him for a few minutes. He was clearly emotional about it. I mean, this has been a place that has changed his life. He was on his way. He's told us he yep. was on his way out of baseball. Yep. And his wife convinced him to give it another shot. And the Mariners and their pitching development team found a way to completely unlock his potential by moving his fastball higher instead of lower and changing the eye level with the slider. And it just turned him into a significantly better pitcher. 
he liked this place, and they liked him. I mean, I, I'm told there was... I think he loved it. I think it, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I would be willing to bet there were tears on both sides of that equation yep. yesterday, both in the front office and mm-hmm. with him, because it's been a really good marriage. But unfortunately, they put themselves in a position by not winning enough games this year yep. where this was a move they kind of had to make. Yeah, and I think he knew, and, and you know, there have been reports out there, and you've said this a few different times today, that he was pretty vocal with his teammates a few weeks ago that you don't pick this up and you don't change things, there's going to be some of us that won't be here. He, he knew at 33 years of age how this league works, the value that he's created, and don't blame the pitchers. They've been top five in the league all season long. It's been the other guys on the other side that have not. They've been woefully inconsistent. They put together a great July, but it was too late to save Paul Seawald as your closer. He did, by the way, catch your uh, Colin Cowherd reference. That's probably why out. he was emotional. He, too, did, huh? he was very emotional about that. Yeah. He said he was hoping that he wasn't going to get dealt so that he could write to Colin afterwards and thank him for helping yeah. him, but unfortunately <laughs> went down the wrong way yesterday. <laughs> Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, despite all of the craziness beforehand, if there was any fear of a Kendall Graveman-style hangover effect bothering the Mariners, it only seemed to cost them one inning and one run. Bizarre start to the game as you watched a stolen base turn into a Little League home run. But Cal Raleigh, he helped the team battle back. Here was his second of two jacks on the day. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see him go. That's obviously luck, not it at all. That's Cal doing something else. The 1-1. One, one. Swing, high fly ball. Right field, hanging up there by the foul pole. It is fair. It is gone. It's a home run. It's Cal Raleigh two and the Red Sox one. His second bomb tonight has put the Mariners in front in the bottom of the seventh. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. That's absolutely (laughs) Cal Raleigh hitting the home run. I just obviously was looking in the wrong place. Um Julio coming up in a big spot in the eighth to open things up was great. And you know what? The bullpen that was a bit of a concern, obviously, after the deal came through, looked pretty darn good yesterday. Yeah, and what it meant was the uh, the best July in baseball with the Baltimore Orioles. It's 17-9. and nine. Those are what the numbers tell you. That's what they did this month of July. They did it in different ways. They did it overcoming. They did it getting ahead. They did it with really largely tremendous pitching. And in so doing, Salk, they now have tied the Yankees, both at 55 and 51 three and a half back of the wild card half game from anaheim and oh looky looky here you beat boston tonight you will be tied with boston mm-hmm. then in the wild card and depending on toronto and houston everything else and with you an are easier right schedule down the stretch than some of the others the mix They're only five back in the division i still in won't buy the rangers the very mix. curious to see what else gets done today Here's the third thing you need to know. First day of pads for the Seahawks yesterday. Pretty feisty, as you would expect it to be. The defense, I know it's been the bigger question mark, but they were the better unit yesterday. They were awesome. And specifically, the defensive ends are the outside linebackers. Uh, Chenna had a really nice play. Mafe was everywhere. I thought he was really the best player on the field. Derek Hall continues to stand out every time I watch him. I love Derek Hall. Mm-hmm. I am unabashed Derek Hall fan, numeral uno. I love that guy. I enjoy talking to him. I'm fascinated by his tree trunks that he calls legs. Boy, Mafe saying that he's going to have to deal with you know a little more material maybe on his shorts. I'm all in on the Derek Hall hype train. So when we've talked to Dre, we've talked to Quandre, we've talked to Boye. We've talked to those three guys over the last week. Thank you, Seahawks, for getting us all of those guys. And when asked about last week, and when asked about, I'm talking about the defenders. When asked about stopping the run, we've asked all three of them, how are you going to stop the run? How are you going to stop the run? 
Right? All three of them have said the same thing. They said we got to communicate. So that leads me to believe what happened. Was there not communication last year? Well, we heard that at times. I mean, KJ said stuff like that, right? That yep. didn't look like they were communicating. Communicating gaps. Bobby talked to the media about it afterwards. That, yeah, man, you got to over-communicate. Teams are going to motion, going to shift, going to do all sorts of different things, try to get you out of your assignment, and you got to be able to communicate. And then you also, well, you got to be violent. Mm-hmm. You've got to set an edge. You've got to blow people up. You've got to be in the backfield. And to Bobby Wagner yesterday... Uh, the D-line, and it's just practice one, pads one, advantage defense, first time out the gate. It was the defense getting it done at the point of attack. All right, that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Ran into uh, Lou Merloni yesterday, who is uh, doing color for the Red Sox, um, who I knew uh, from some of my time back in Boston. He's actually been on our show years ago, but it yeah. was funny hearing him, his take on the on the Mariners. He's like, man, I was all excited to see that they missed Castillo. I was like, oh, geez, oh, don't worry. You still get Kirby and all these. I mean, yep. he's like, it just blows you away, the kind of pitching that this team throws at you night in and night out he's like tell me about bryce miller i tell him he's like is there anybody in this team that's not ridiculous throwing their fastballs like yeah they're all kind of similar other than castillo yeah the other four guys have a lot in common with the way they mostly throw fastballs there's not a ton of great breaking stuff at the moment it's getting better and certainly kirby Mm -hmm. and gilbert are ahead of miller who i think is still ahead of woo Mm -hmm. but what is it that that makes castillo stand out it's it's the command of four legitimate pitches two of which are real off-speed pitches that's interesting because as he points to it that way i if i were there talking to lou i'd say it's the same thing when i look at your offense right my gosh a lot of different who's this leadoff guy hitting 320 you know left fielder you signed some third best average in baseball Obviously, Devers, three more hits oh, last night, 25 hey, Devers home. a tough outer walk. Golly. God, he hits the ball hard. Yes, and even, you know, at the bottom of the lineup, and I know it's Fenway and it's an easier park, but 270, 280, 290, like that That lineup is, yeah. well, there's a reason. You're tied with them in, in, in the standings. Well, they the play kid, terrible defense. The they don't pitch like you do. tonight supposed to be pretty good. He's young, so you don't know what kind of command you're going to get on a day-to-day basis, but Lewis, you know, he's got, yeah. he's the one they keep comparing to Pedro and has some of that sort of stuff type of a guy. He's also like, they compare everybody to Pedro, so right. whatever, that doesn't really mean a whole lot yet, but <laughs> just kind of Pay attention tonight. The kid uh, pitching for Boston may be pretty good. All right. The Mariners made their move yesterday, but what comes next and how does it fit into everything else going on around them? Because the trade deadline is not just about you. It's about what everybody is doing together and some teams around them are getting better and some players that I might have liked are trading teams. So it's Brock and Salk. We'll be right back here on Seattle Sports. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, move one in the books. What comes next for the Mariners? I do think it's going to have to be a busy day for them. But if you're Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander and you see what happens, right, and you're only three and a half back, you, you cannot be in the straight seller camp. There's no way. Right. I mean, you can't just if the only other move you make is dumping, you know, Teo for a flyer lottery ticket prospect, that would surprise me. It would surprise me if that's the only move they make. Mm. Now, I do think that there's a good chance Teo gets traded. I do think or you know what? You cannot trade him. Put this kid you got yesterday, Canzone, in right field, and all of a sudden, Teo's your DH, and maybe he can concentrate a little bit better without the uh, fear of having to go out and play defense, which is not something he's particularly good at. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you you don't have to deal him, but I would think you probably do. 
And then what can you do to make your lineup better at one other spot? And I don't know whether that's first base or if it's another DH type or what you can do, maybe another catcher. Are you going to try to upgrade? I know that they've been shopping Tom Murphy, and that's another move that could certainly get done today. But if you're the Mariners, you can't give up on this season right now. You're too close. Nope. I take full responsibility. Let's let me be very, very clear. Okay. I take full responsibility for how I've changed you. And I'm not even going to say developed you because I, this one I'm not always super proud of that you go to a practice field and a football field now right. and you're looking at ankles and calves and posterior chains and noticing all every single body type and all of that. I'm, I'm not super proud of that, but I do understand I played a role in it. Equally, you have played a role in my life that when these moves come down and things happen, I tend to immediately go to the, okay, so how are you building your team? What does this mean to your team? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, all, all of the discourse that we have had over the years. So what is this saying about your team? It's all about what, team building. It's all about team building. Yep. This move yesterday tells me, and, and maybe this is an overreach, and maybe Jerry will tell me so on Thursday, 106 games in, that this whole three true outcome is the only way in today's game to handle the pitching and you know the, what you see on that side of it. So we've just got to hit for power, and if we strike out, we strike out. But you know what? We, we've, we've got to hit for that. That's the way we're going to do it. I just, I'm just, I look at these three guys, all three of them. They're all tremendously athletic. They all can run. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a Major League Baseball this season where, well, the, some of those teams that like the Padres and the Mets and the Mariners a little bit would take, like, we're going to build for power. We're going to do this. And, and, I, and I know that's over-exaggerating it and simplifying it to a degree, but I do look at these three guys that they have added, and I do look at Cade Marlowe, and I do look at Jared Kelnick, mm-hmm. and I do look at Julio Rodriguez, and I do look at a little more bounce in JP playing gold glove. And even A. Eugenio may not be a tremendous athlete, but he's like a wise old man on a racquetball court, knows every single angle, and plays elite defense. That you know what? Maybe through 106 games with these new rules and the shift and everything else, then maybe some of that speed component is going to come back into play a little more than it did five years ago. So can I sort of agree and disagree in, in various ways? It's a good point. Um, yes, of course, it's always about team building. And what are you doing to structure your team the right way? I think what I see is not that they're giving up on the idea of the three true outcome guy or power, anything like that. I don't think the Mariners are done with that. I think that what they've tried to do is balance those guys that they have sort of at the nucleus of who they are with a few other types of guys so that they're not striking out as often as they have this year. Unfortunately, the attempts they made to go get contact hitters who wouldn't have that problem all failed. Right. A.J. Pollock didn't do that. Colton Wong didn't do that last year. Adam Frazier didn't do that. They've gone out and tried to get some of those types of players to balance out Mm -hmm. some of the big sort of, you know, high risk, high reward power guys. And unfortunately, it hasn't materialized. Even Jared Kelnick was supposed to be a high on base percentage guy. That was one of the things that was his calling card coming up. And it hasn't really materialized as well as you would want in the in the big leagues. So. Yes, I think you're right that what is very obvious, you know, clear line through these three guys they acquired yesterday is athleticism, controllability and athleticism. No doubt. Do I think that represents like a sea change? Maybe, 
but I don't I don't know whether I'd quite be willing to go there yet. Okay, well, the other component of it, and you can take this one of two ways as well, and I sure appreciated the number of times Mike Tirico said, I got two points. <laughs> of course Let me take do. this two that's, ways. Because that's, your, that's, your that's how my mind works. As a lefty, it works right-handed and left-handed and being amphibious like I am. So that's uh, what I really do appreciate. <laughs> you can look at it one of two ways. And if they release Wong, as you've said, probably going to happen today. Probably not even going to be able to get a player to be named later or cash considerations from anybody. You're going to just have to outright release him to, to make some room on, on your roster for these additions. And you are to trade tail. That means your acquisitions this offseason didn't even make it through the end of August 1. That means Lestella. That means Hummel. That means Teo. That means Wong. And that means Pollock. And you could look at that on one side and go, shame, shame, shame. What a bunch of idiots. Or you could look on the other side and say, yep, fail fast. And we take 50 games to, you know, take it all in. We try to take 50 games to fix it. Then we let the horses run the final 50. And the fixing in this case is, yeah, an offseason that unfortunately failed. But we're not going to sit here and, and try to just keep them aboard mm. to try to protect our egos and try to protect something that's not there. We actually will move on from them. And there's going to be some in that camp that are going to continue to use it as fodder and, you know, be all angry and upset, rightfully so. And then I think there should be at least a sense on the other side to go, okay, you failed. In business, you fail. The best entrepreneurs fail. The best businesses fail. What are you going to do? Are you going to just continue to try to ride it out? Or are you going to fail fast, move on from them, and give yourself a chance to see there's, that next younger way? There's wave? no doubt that, that what they did on the offensive side this offseason has not worked really in any way, shape, or form. That when Teo has been the best acquisition and it's been kind of a roller coaster mess, that's not a great sign for what you did offensively this offseason. I agree with everything you said. I'll just end it. They also got Justin Topa this offseason and got, got, they ended up trading, but Topa has kind of cleared the way for you to make that Paul Seawald deal yesterday, mm -hmm. right? So, yes, I'm just going to add that one to it because it's part of the legacy. It doesn't get talked about the same way because it's not part of this group of offensive players that mm -hmm. have all failed in various spectacular ways. But I think it is worth noting, Topa's been really, really yes, he's good. Yes, been, he's kind of been Swanson, right? He's kind of been the equivalent and certainly like the last him a month. Lot, man. I re, I, I'm sort of an unabashed Topa fan. Like, I feel good when he comes into the game. I would give him some ninth-inning uh, opportunities. He didn't get mentioned yesterday. Scott was asked kind of what he would do now without uh, Seawald in there, and he didn't go in that direction, but it kind of surprised me. I, that's a direction I would go. Andres Munoz is certainly capable of running out there. You may see Matt Brash in a few of those opportunities. You may see one just uh, Gabe Spire out there if it's a left-handed pocket that we feel he can get through. So we'll continue to, to mix and match. Often, like we've done here a lot over the last couple of years, this year Paul kind of grabbed onto that closer role when Munoz was out early. He did a great job with it, but with other guys that step up, guys that are very capable. They're young. They haven't gone through it all, uh, but we'll give them opportunity and see where it takes us. I think at his core, Scott just doesn't really believe in having one closer. He believes in matchups and believes in pockets and mm -hmm. believes in having guys go against the part of the order that makes the most sense. Yeah. But Topa, to me, has some Seawald in him, and not just because they kind of look alike, but just mm -hmm. kind of that ability to 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 run. I think he's got good stuff and a couple of good yeah. out pitches. Yeah, he has got uh, mechanics you don't teach young pitchers, by the way. Topa? Be, oh, yeah. like He flies open. I mean, it's so different compared to everybody else, but it works. And that ball moves, and he creates a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. It moves both in. It moves both out. Yeah. You know, is a, is a challenge. So, no, Ben... 
People been, don't uh, been funky, funky, man. I mean, like, you can say, oh, well, Brash hasn't had the numbers of Seawall this year. And yet you look at the situations they bring Brash into. Yep. I mean, I can sit here and rave about Topo, but he has not. He's been mostly given clean innings, et cetera. You watch Brash come in and they're yeah. putting him in there. Oh, seventh inning. Oh, it must not really care. Well, it's men on second and third and Correct. one out he's and you're turning to Brash. Yeah. My gosh, he's been amazing at that. Okay, so you listen to Pass and Pass and brought up Brash. And mm-hmm. people have been calling on Matt Brash. And people have been calling on Logan Gilbert. People have been calling on some of those arms. Your gut feeling, we got just a few minutes here before we rank. And thank goodness Justin <laughs> resurrected himself. Right. Yeah. Well, well, don't don't well, talk trash to Justin. Well, How dare fi- you? Well, finally, he resurrected. How dare yeah, you? He stepped up big, big, big. <laughs> And made sure I saw it on his show notes yesterday of how prepared he is for rank today. Your gut feeling, your gut feeling on how many phone calls come Jerry and Justin's way over the next four or five hours and your gut feeling on how much risk they're willing or not willing to take and move. My gut tells me there are going to be a lot of phone calls. My gut also tells me it's really hard to put together a deal for a player like Logan Gilbert at this stage of this season. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that there won't be calls about him or that they won't have, you know, legit conversations about it and that the right deal might not come along. It might. I mean, I can, I am not so married to Logan Gilbert as much as I love him. I I mean, I really enjoy Logan Gilbert and the idea of them trading Seawald and Gilbert on back-to-back days, two of my favorite guys to talk to on that team would be a huge bummer and brash throw him right in there as well. Yeah. But I think that if you have the chance to remake your team and bring back premier talent that is already established in the major leagues, just like Logan is, you've got to at least look at that possibility. I mentioned to Rosarina earlier. I don't know. Jeff shot it down, but what does he know? He only covers baseball for ESPN. It's like the biggest name. I mean, he didn't just shut it down. It was John Bon Jovi on your head. Blaze of glory. Yeah, it was. Oh, I know it was. Yeah. Well, yep. the Rays have a tendency to deal guys before they're uh, before they have to pay them. And True. if a Rosarena has not gotten paid, paid, there's True. absolutely the possibility that they may try to deal him and remake their their lineup and their roster in some way. But it doesn't have to be him. I'm using him as an example. Mm-hmm. Logan Gilbert is worth somebody like that. And if you can if you can move in that direction and then you know sign somebody in the off season to pitch. That totally changes yeah, that who feels, you are as a yeah. team. That kind of move feels like the Hayes got to be in the barn of the 23 season. And not just for the Mariners, right. but for all these other teams. All of these 20-some teams that are kind of in it right now. Like, you really got to see these next 50. Okay, you do all you can. You start fast in April, May. Good for you, Tampa. Good for you, Texas. Got off to a great start. Built yourself a, a ton of margin. And then you get through June and July and this deadline, and you start to figure out a little more of who the contenders. But it's not how you start, man. Mm-hmm. It is how you finish. In August and September, right, in, and for some of these teams that haven't been there, Texas hasn't been there in a long time. Certainly this cast and this core has not been there. And how these guys play when the pressure ramps up, when these games matter that much more, to me, a move that you're referencing there of that substantive size It'd feels be hard to do right now. Feels like it's going to have to be after yep. the yeah, epilogue. Let's of see how this thing plays its way out. They haven't done anything yet to take themselves out of the running this year. Yep. Will they do some adding? I mean, look, your guy Marcana ended up getting dealt yesterday to the are, Brewers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are there some other guys like that? I mean, <laughs> this Boston team. You just got done playing Arizona, and I know it's totally coincidental because they've been talking wow. for weeks and weeks and weeks. You but you for just Dugo? got. Yeah. 
Man, that's a bad swing on Munoz. I, I think you're going to watch Verdugo and say yes. that guy can really play the outfield. Correct. That guy can absolutely hit, yep. and that guy's a nut. Yep. Like I don't, I don't. Now, know Verdugo was also the one that ripped Julio for making the All Star team. I don't team, think so. he's the most well liked guy yeah. in baseball, and I yeah. think there's some real question yeah. marks about who he is. Now that leadoff guy, wise. that that leadoff guy, you know, Duran. Huh. A leadoff guy that runs like the wind and hits and could put well, JP Adam at Duvall's two. Well, another one, though. I mean, a, a guy who's got some championship experience with the Red Sox are dealing. He's got mm-hmm. some pop. And I mean, like, yeah. They're, Duran's they're, an example of being patient for Julio because yep. this is the first year he's done anything. I know. Finally starting to come together for him. So yep. there's a lot of directions you can go. The Mariners have a few hours left before that deadline at 3 o'clock today. Just over, what, five hours to go. I said that earlier, and this time I think mm. I'm, I'm actually right about the timing on that. Mm-hmm. About five hours and 15 minutes to go before the deadline. And we've got something to rank. I hope got so. a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Today, Brock, is the trade deadline, as I'm sure you know. And it is also Jerry Garcia's birthday. From the Grateful Dead. So with the deadline and the Grateful Dead both involved, we thought today we would rank dead. Dead's huh. ranked. And there are a lot. There there, there really are a lot of This is a two-pager. Deads. I know. We've got a lot. Like, we've got uh, Justin Timberlake. gone. I know you know that one, Brock. I know that when you were a kid like me, every day you would listen to Megadeth's, uh, what album is this on? So far, so good, so what? What did Jane and Larry think exactly? I'd like to tell you, next time we see Jane and Larry together, maybe in Peoria next They won't tell you the truth. I'd like to ask them, you know, when you walked into young Michael's room and he had his Boombox just yeah, rocking that it. kind of stuff. Was there any level any yeah. level of concern? <laughs> no, no, they seem to be fine. No, yeah, okay. And then once we got into the nineties, it grew a little bit. We took on things like Our Lady Peace. That's Superman's dead. Very um polarizing lead singer, Lane uh Rain Maida. You either love him or hate him. Brock Stephen King wrote The Dead Zone. Okay. I know you knew that. <laughs> of course, you got that incredibly salty sea. That'd be the, the Dead Sea. It's got and those the scrolls. scrolls. Yeah. You got your video game Red Dead Redemption. What about one of Brock's probably favorite lifts he's ever done? Oh, the deadlift. It's a great one for your posterior chain. It's got to have good form, though. Make sure the spinal column is aligned, and that's going to work your glutes, your hammies. Cool. going to activate that's a good. lot of the yep. lower leg muscles. Uh-huh. Got it. Uh-huh. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Yeah, we got a lot of movie quotes, Brock. That's uh-huh. just one. Hit me. That's Dead Meat from Clubber Lang and Rocky Three. Wow. I know how much you love that one. It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Zed's dead. Let's see, we got Adam's family. Of course. Wake the dead. Wake 
the dead wake the dead out to the cemetery come on everyone i've never played this before how does it go did you bring a shovel Love that line. I know this you segment love makes that. me feel dead inside. Oh, what if they lift you back up? If you think up there, Maura, you're dead. You got uh, Stand By Me. You guys want to go see a dead body? Yes, of course. How could I not? So we got a lot. We got the Deadwood uh, on uh, Deadwood on HBO. Themed Deadwood. Right. Drop Dead Fred. Oh, yeah. How about uh, Rob Zombie? <laughs> Definitely more of a metal feel to dead know. ranked than some of the others. Oh, yeah, it think? leans itself to be a little bit more that way. Even that. Lita Ford got in on the action. That's Kiss Me Deadly, Brock, from Lita Ford. Oof, I know you if it not one. were for the side posts, the U.S. women's team would be dead in the water flying home. In the 91st minute, they were very fortunate. The Portuguese shot hit off the post wow. in a 0-0 draw. A 0-0 draw. That Advances exciting. Yeah, oh, after good. a 1-1 tie. Wow, that does sound exciting. Uh, let's see. Other movies I should mention and, and TV shows. Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Deadpool, of course. I mentioned Deadwood. Night of the Living Dead. Dead Alive, if you've ever seen that old horror movie. Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society, yeah. yes. Dead Man Walking. Better Off Dead, Dead Bang, Dead mm. Calm, The Quick mm. and the Dead with Sharon Stone. So many. Dead Man's Chest, yeah. bands like the Dead Kennedys, the Dead Milkmen. The oh, Dead uh, Milkmen? Chester, Chester, Chester Bennington had Dead by Sunrise. Dead by Sunrise. Project. Did you say the Dead Milkmen? Dead Milkmen, yeah. That was a band? Like a punk band. Yeah. Dead Mouse. Mm-hmm. Theory oh, of Dead Man. Barrier Dead. Dead Memory <laughs> Slipknot. Man. Deadsy, you mentioned that one, Justin. Uh, Deadsy, yeah, that was a weird band. That's that's kind of your your thing, right? Yeah, I don't like Deadsy. You're kind of a Deadsy guy. Shares the lead singer, Cher, and Greg Allman's kid. You ready for the top five, Brock? And you will know us by the trail of dead. You seem (laughs) you seem ready for the top five deads today. (laughs) Number five, since I'm going to the show. Too many things and people check out. Disagree. Top five time. Top five, since I'm going to the show on Saturday night. Justin, you're right. That is a dirty, dirty riff. That's good. You're going to go Friday and see them Friday night? Saturday night. Saturday night? Saturday night, Stone Temple Pilots with... This Saturday night? STP? Yep. Love it. Where, White River, you said? White River, yeah. So I'm going to... Actually, you said Friday. I'm leaving Friday. Yep. I'll get there Saturday. You'll get back Sunday. Yeah, and I'll come back on Sunday. Nice. It's kind of a three-day trip to go to White River to see a concert. Smart. It's kind of what we've got to do at this point for that. All right, number four. Brock, I'm going back to the movies. You may say that some of the other movies we've mentioned belong ahead of this one, but I don't care. I'm sticking to my guns when it comes to Evil Dead 2. Groovy. Have you ever seen any of the Evil Dead? No, actually, I have darkness? no. No, actually, I have not. You would hate them. You would absolutely <laughs> hate them. I tried to spend my time in the light and not the dark. Oh, huh. yes. The best thing about the Evil Dead movies is the way the like undead characters have no rules. Like sometimes they die, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you can beat them up. Sometimes they're invincible, and the rules constantly change. It's mm. kind of like ranked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You That's admit why I like it. it so much. Maura, have you ever seen any of these dead evil, evil, evil dead, dead movies? No. Never oh, seen Shaun Evil Dead? Of the dead. Oh, man. 
Evil Dead's really good. All right. Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are probably the two. Yeah, they are little cults. Classics, I guess you would call them. Uh, Let's see, Brock. Number three is a one-hit wonder. I don't always go with one-hit wonders, but this is a classic song from the 80s that everybody knows. Make sure, make sure, make sure, root it. Uh-huh. That's dead or alive. Dead or alive. I'm sure you knew that. Dead or alive. That's dead or alive. Okay. Which I'm sure you know. Are we going to get the one for more? Was that a Bon Jovi wanted dead or alive? Well, number two was dead or alive as the band. Ah, I see. I see. If you want to get to number two, uh-huh. Brock, thank you yeah. for, for teasing it. On that steel horse I ride. I'm wanted. I'm wanted, you see. I think this was on every Puyallup High School highlight film really? for about 10 years. Is that how you guys felt like you were wanted? Oh, so we had such a target. Everybody wanted a piece yeah. of us. You walked the streets, a loaded oh. six-string on your, your back. back. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Everybody about, wanted a you piece know what? of Puyallup. I've heard, have you ever heard Richie Sambora do his version of that song? No. So Richie Sambora was the guitarist for Bon Jovi, but he can sing a little bit also, and I think he wrote that song, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. He does a version live of that, which is phenomenal. It's, it's different because it's a different singer, but it actually sounds really good, and it's still his guitar. Did you already say the show that that song goes along with? No, but I figured Brockwood, Deadliest Catch. That's a good one. Right. That's good. sort of in there together. Man, yep. number one, then. There's a lot of choices. In there. Well, it took me a while on this, and I, I feel a little uncomfortable. This is not something I usually do because usually I pick something I love for number one, and today I'm picking something I hate. You're not a deadhead. I'm not. It's no. not who I am. It's not no. how I define myself. It's not no. the kind of music I like to listen to. And when my friends have their dorky conversations about like, oh, yeah, it was like 7572, man. That's yeah, that the sucks, day, That's it? the day they went from well, touch like- to fire. To, like, dude, shut up. <laughs> Is that like talking about rush? rush synth versus nonsense? A little bit, but worse. <laughs> and so, yeah. I can relate. Number one. Number one's a Grateful Dead. Happy birthday to Jerry Garcia and uh, to all the deadheads out there who were Shout out to you, Graz, father. Yeah. What about to uh, my friend Steve, who is currently in Europe going to see Dead and Company in their final tours? Wow. Yeah. Dude, those people are nuts. It's a lot. You didn't play any Dead Press. I figured that was happening. Oh, sorry. I missed that. Was Was that that Dead Man Walking? Dead Man Walking? Oh, here it is. Yeah, here you go. For you, Mora, just to make you happy. There we go. Just Going a little bit. All right, we got to run. Bump and Stacy coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow morning. The deadline will have passed by then, which is great. You know where the hay is, Brock? Dead in the barn. See you, everybody. Dead in the chopper! <laughs>